Gab and Jules is presented by Football Manager 22, now on sale. I'm Gab, he's Jules, blue skies over West London, bluer skies still, I think over the Premier League after a phenomenal yeah, game, we're going to be talking about that, we're even joined by, look, it's Mark Ogden in the studio, yeah, oh my and God, he's smiling, in the studio. unbelievable, oh, no, no. Uh, Jules, so much else happening, of course, this weekend, the title race in Sevilla, intensifying, crazy scenes in, in Barcelona, uh, Bayern winning, Paris Saint-Germain, the M&M, oh, actually M&M. doing something, really? but obviously there's one place to start, this game was so hyped, and I thought, as a neutral, it was incredibly entertaining. Mm. Um, I'm just going to start off. Quick poll, studio. Fair result, Jules? I don't think so. I thought, like Kevin De Bruyne uh, said in an interview after the game, that City deserved to win. They were the better team. I think the resilience showed by Liverpool was great and the character to come back. I think this season, every time City took the lead in the league, they never dropped points, not even a draw. So I think Liverpool deserve credit for coming back into the game twice. But yeah, I thought... City, especially in the first half, almost like dominated so much. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I think City were the better team. I think first half they dominated, but I think you have to give credit to Liverpool's resolve and their fighting spirit and the ability to get back into the game twice. So those qualities deserve a point, I think. I think ultimately a point is no good for Liverpool. I think the way the fixtures look now, seven games left, City will win all their games, look at the fixtures. Liverpool got some tough games, so I think they needed a win. I think the point's fair enough, but I, I don't think you could say that Liverpool, City deserved to win more than Liverpool on the basis of how they played. I think Liverpool's other qualities deserve the point. What I'm struck is by the health of these two teams, and, and obviously when you have two very good teams playing each other, somebody's going to have the upper hand at some point. It doesn't mean mm. necessarily the other team are playing poorly. We can point to mistakes in this match, perhaps, mm-hmm. but I thought most of the mistakes um, either went unpunished, looking at you, Ederson, <laughs> um, or they were actually forced by the other team being good rather than Liverpool being bad. You're going to make oh, a face. Sure. Wait, wait, wait. Nostradamus here is going to predict. You're going to bring up Alexander-Arnold not tracking. Fabinho to start with that first goal. How do you switch off like this? Him and Thiago Alcantara cannot switch off the way they do to let De Bruyne literally run past them and then there's a bit of luck on the shot. But I thought that three mistakes on the first three goals were big mistakes for that kind of level. All right, normally Mr. Negative, I would expect it to be you. No, no, Are you but it was still a hard? great game, but come on, Fabinho <laughs> switches off. I, I think, and this is, I think Jules has a point, you know, if you're going to analyse tactics like that, you have to say, yeah, there were mistakes made, but I think sometimes you have to step back and say, the mistakes were made because both sides have been tested like they've not been tested before. I think you have to kind of celebrate almost the quality on, on show. No, and true. The fact that Liverpool don't play against the Man City every week and vice versa, so that's why more mistakes were made. That's why Van Dijk was booked for kicking out of De Bruyne. He never gets rattled like that. But Van Dijk last night was rattled because he was tested to the limit. Edison, you know, they probably didn't even know that Jota was behind him. He was so cool with it. But yeah. these mistakes would normally happen against lesser teams. So the fact that these mistakes happened made for a better game. It showed the quality of the opposition, I think. Um, I want to touch upon the way these two teams set up. I want to start with you, Jules, because, again... I was a bit surprised to see Gabriel Jesus starting. Um, it obviously works. Uh, is this the kind of thing where if it hadn't worked, people would have been like, oh, look, overthinking Pep. He's trying to be clever by playing Gabriel Jesus when he should have played Mares or Grealish or whomever. Yeah, probably. I was more surprised, to be fair, by the, the position of Bernardo Silva sitting with Rodri, really. In the Gundogan role. In the Gundogan role, but in the proper 4-2-4 formation with De Bruyne as a free player, if you want, and then Sterling, Force 9, Foden and, and Jesus. More than just Jesus being picked for that game because he's usually quite good against Liverpool. He's, he's, he's got that kind of energy that can trouble Robertson. He presses really well. 
Okay, he hadn't started, I think, in 2022 before, hardly played, but still you could understand why it went for it. But you're right, it's those kind of calls where if it doesn't work out, we all... It would have start. been Pep overthinking. Yeah, right? exactly. Um, but I mean, I, I thought the fullbacks, City's fullbacks were outstanding yesterday. Walker and Cancelo, I just thought were amazing. Both just real top of the game, compared to Liverpool's fullbacks who probably weren't as good as they, their counterparts were. Um, Apart from their money goal, of course, Chris Carl Walker is half asleep. He is <laughs> half asleep. The positioning is wrong. He did, he did lose him. Um, I want to make a point, though, about... We saw Pep adjusting for this. Um, my impression, Mark, was that Klopp didn't adjust. Klopp said, we're going to play the way we play. Obviously, mm-hmm. he made the choice of Jota ahead of Firmino or Luis Diaz, which is fair enough. Um, but other than that, I saw Liverpool saying we're just going to do what we normally do and we're going to ex- try to execute better than you and beat you that way. Yeah, I, I didn't see any real areas where Liverpool could have changed yesterday, but I do think that an issue is developing for Mo Salah. I think Salah was poor yesterday, apart from the assist for the, for the Mane goal. The first half was anonymous. It, does there come a point where Klopp has to say, come on Mo, I'm going to take you out for DR, so for Firmino and changing it a bit. But I, at the minute, I guess you can't drop Mo Salah, but I think he is beginning to not let Liverpool down, but he's not performing as he has been in the past. We're going to dive more into Salah in, in, in the podcast part uh, as well in his performance. I, I just wanted to iterate. I mean, the difference in approach where Pep tries to tweak to gain an advantage in the individual game, hence the overthinking, whereas Liverpool, Klopp seems to say, this is my setup. He very rarely varies from it, didn't vary from it this time, yeah. and I think was vindicated with the way they got back into the game um, in the second half when I thought they played a lot better. Yeah, yeah. Looking at the run-in... Um, it's so difficult to tell, but hey, we get paid to do this. So there's seven games to go. There's one point. Do we want to play percentages? Do we have any thoughts on the run in here? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I said earlier on that City got seven games, and I think they'll win seven games. I think the two games. That means that, they become champions. Yeah, I think the two games that may be difficult are West Ham away and Wolves away, but West Ham are so, you know. Why would Wolves away be difficult? Because I think Wolves are a good team. Wolves, well are, home, Wolves yeah. are a good team, and Wolves have got a decent record against City. They're a good team, they're a good technical team, but. I think when City going for a title. Liverpool, they've got Man United and Everton at home, games that they traditionally look at being a bit wary about, but they'll win easily this time. Tottenham, at home, Tottenham yeah. at home is the game for me. That, And Liverpool have got Wolves as well. So, But I think by then... Wolves. So if you were to play percentages, you go City? Yeah. How much? 95%. All right. Wow, 95%? Wow. <laughs> nah, that's too high for Jules? me. Jules? i go City as well because you would rather be in that position right now than, than, than Liverpool. Although Liverpool have a, a plus-five goal difference advantage, yeah. which... My count, my not count, it's hard to say. I still think Liverpool can come back in this. You know, I said, you, you think City are going to win the title. I thought Liverpool from the, from the beginning. So I'm going to say Liverpool, 55-45. I'm going to go City, I'm going to go 60%. Um, but it is all to play for. And by the way, for the record, regular viewers will know, I do not believe in goal difference. But we're going to get into much more <laughs> on this on the Gavin Jules podcast. All right, let's get back into this in a more granular level. And I want to reiterate, because inevitably... We go and we we look through and we point out mistakes. That's what we do. But from a neutral's perspective, in terms of entertainment, this was this was one of the best games I think that we've seen in a, in a long time. Yeah, yeah. Um, two managers who may well be number you know number one and number two in the world. Two teams that might be the very best in the world. Now, so I don't I don't want us. What you're about to hear later, people pointing out mistakes. Look, Augie even made an effort. He's wearing his pink shirt today, so he's trying to be more positive because exactly. you're, you're neutral on this one. Yeah. Um, so I just want to drive that point home that I think both these teams through 31 games are worthy Premier League champions. Mm. Only one of them 
is going to win it. Yeah. They're better than other teams that have won the Premier League in the past. Whoever finishes second, I think that's, I think that's um, that's pretty much undisputed. Mm. Let's dial it back to the game. You touched upon Mo Salah. He did deliver the pass to Mane for the equalizer, start of the second half. Other than that, he didn't necessarily contribute. And you, Augie, had some harsh words. Yeah, I mean, I was at the game uh, last week when he was taken was he taken off he, yeah he was taken off I forget the playing yeah. it's, it's, it's so far far away but he didn't have a shot on target for the second consecutive game and he, he was very low and it was the, the game after the uh, World Cup exit against Senegal so obviously there's a reason but he's had two huge huge career blows in the last two months against both against Senegal African Nations final World Cup qualification and I think it's kind of I think it's weighed on him a little bit I think you look at his, his return since then his performances he's not been the most solid that we know there's this contract issue as well which I don't think is an issue I, I, I don't think that you don't Mo think Sa- it's an issue how? I don't think Mo Salah's going to bed at night worrying about his future I don't, you don't I think, think he plays on, ma- on his mind? Nah because he knows that he's not going to end up illusion this is it he's going to either get a really good deal at Liverpool Always going to get a really good deal somewhere else. Mo Salah is the, is the big winner in this. I think the people who got a bed worrying are Liverpool fans and maybe Jurgen Klopp, but his performances haven't been what they were. And he, he, he is Liverpool's best, he's, a, he's the best player, the most explosive player. The, the guy that, if you're in a Champions League semi final, second leg, you need a goal, you'd rely on Mo Salah. But that would apply to yesterday's game. If you're playing Man City away in a game you have to win, that is when Mo Salah needs to turn up. I mean, there's the assist on Mane, which is an amazing assist. Yeah. There's the there's the ball to Robertson, who then crosses for for Trent, who lays the ball for Jota. The problem is he had to even he had to think almost as much about defending in that game than about attacking. There's that moment in the first half where there's been a couple of diagonals already. I think either from Laporte towards uh, Walker and Gabriel Jesus, or from Cancelo towards the same. So from left to right, if you're City. And at some point, Klopp shouts, and Klopp is in front of us when we are at the ATR. I mean, we're quite far behind, but still we can see we can see him. And he said to Salah, he said, come on, you have to be tighter. You, this is not good enough. You have to, to prevent them from being able so easily to pick someone with a 50 yards diagonal that you know, can, change, can change the game, really. And, and I think when Salah has to think about defending so much that he knows that Cancelo, that at some point is going to run behind him or... This is also difficult, and this is not the kind of game... I know he had a great record against City, I think he scored five in nine before Sunday's game. But still, it's tricky. He plays on your mind when you're thinking, okay, where's my left-back all the time? Instead of just thinking, I know they're fearing me, so their left-back is not going to go up the the field, when it's clearly what the plan was for City and Cancelo. I think fundamentally we have to recognise there's the factors that Mark cited. There's also the fact that you are away from home against hey, it's a tough game the most talented team in the world possibly probably mm. right yeah so clearly that that's going to weigh on you more um you're more aware also of what's of what's behind you and the role the fullbacks play in this game you're probably more aware of the fact and i want to transition to the midfield that in a 4-3-3 the job of the midfielders is often to come across and uh and and help when the fullbacks go forward or or, or when the strikers had a run and whatever can't get back I thought Liverpool's midfield really struggled in this game. And, you know, if there is a, a weaker link by section to this, it is this midfield. Before we get into the refereeing decisions, but Thiago, I, I thought, you know, I appreciate tactical fouls are part of the game. And obviously you'd rather have Thiago than not have Thiago. But I don't know. I mean, he, he really was, was, was put in a difficult spot. Also, by yeah. what you said about from Bernardo Silva playing deeper, deeper, and 
one of you guys is not a Jordan Henderson fan. I don't understand. I really don't understand. We, we said it after the Chelsea game. We already thought he struggled then, if you remember, at Stamford Bridge. And then I don't understand how he starts a game like this. I know he's the captain. I, I love the leadership before I get abused online. I love the leadership. I love the story. He was a really good player for Liverpool. There's a lot of things that he brings to that team. Okay. But in a game like this, he's not good enough tactically to fit to feature in a game like this. Yeah, he can run, not as much as he used to, but he can still run. But he does running and his pressing is inefficient most of the time. And with the ball, he doesn't bring enough. The, the difference in that game Sorry, yesterday... About the inefficient pressing, but you have to concede that pressing looks more inefficient when the other team can, are very good at playing through I know, press. but Kevin De Bruyne was in a position yesterday, put there by Pep Guardiola, to disturb that... Liverpool midfield three, right? If Jordan Henderson keeps going and trying to press with Jogo Jota almost as a front two, it doesn't make any sense because then you will have Fabinho and Thiago Alcantara left to try to look where De Bruyne is on top of already Rodri and Bernardo in front of them, which is going to unbalance Liverpool all the time. The big difference in that game in midfield is that City, as we know, have incredible players to play between the lines. Liverpool don't have that. The only time Thiago plays between the lines in Sunday's game, the first goal happened for Liverpool. But when you look at how Bernardo and De Bruyne and even the, the other three at, up front for City, they play so well between the lines. Liverpool don't have that, even less when Henderson starts. You, you have that stats about Liverpool's pressing stats and obviously statistics need to be taken with, with a grain of salt and whatever viewed in context. But Liverpool's press wasn't as effective as it normally no. is. And, but again... It's played a better team. They're playing a better team, yeah, right? And maybe, yeah, but still, they've allowed a lot of passes in the in the uh, last thirds. They've had, they've, they, they 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 could not stop City passing the ball as much as they usually do. It's, it was it was a struggle, and yeah. and I, I I do wonder if Klopp, with that starting eleven and the way he still wanted them to press with that starting eleven, was maybe a bit of an it, issue. It is it is hard to play the press against City because they're so terrible. Yeah, of course yeah, it I mean, is. And, and you look at the Liverpool players, and none of them are particularly young. You know, I suppose Jota maybe, but the, the midfielders are. You've got a few years on them, and, and you yeah. know, Salah and Mane. So whether they've got the energy and even like that that desire of a mid twenty something, where they've, they've won things and they've they've been there and done it, do they have that? Desire to press as hard as he used. To. I don't know. I mean, just just one last thing before we go on to on Salah. I do think he's missing Firmino. I think with, when Firmino's in the team, he's a, he's a more selfless player than Jota, and I think Firmino helps the whole team ethic. And obviously, when he's not yeah, there, that's a good point. I think Salah misses him, but that can't be the excuse. Well, and also Jota brings other things to the yeah. table. I mean, selection-wise, look. I don't know. Will you get angry at me if I bring up Junie Vinaldum? No, 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 no. I mean, I, I, this, it's this a is fair point. It is a who, fair point. What you're going to not say. this season's Vinaldum, who of course has, has been terrible, but. Good Vinaldum, who was there before, played a tremendous amount yeah. of, min uh, of minutes, made the players around him better because yeah. he, with his intelligence and his movement and his work rate, he left. He was not replaced. And again, we know why he's not replaced. He's not replaced because Liverpool do not have endless funds and they said, exactly. we need to extend these other players. Yeah. And that's fair enough. Nobody's faulting that. I, I look at this and I say, other than the fact that you're not going to drop your team captain for a game like this regardless, mm. but... The alternatives to Henderson were Nabi Keita, were mm. Harvey Elliott, mm. Oxley, I don't even know who's Curtis fit out of these guys, Curtis Jones. Yeah. I, yeah, we've had this conversation. What, you, can, uh, you, can't oh. fault, you can't fault him for going with Henderson. No. Maybe hindsight always being 2020. I would have picked Keita. Well, I mean, we had this conversation in 2020 about Wijnaldum, <laughs> and I made the point saying I would keep Wijnaldum and extend him and get rid of Henderson, but it's the, you know, Henderson is the kind of the 
the, the darling of the cop these days is the captain and, and the captain's the thing means a lot but Wanaldo is a much better player he can play holding midfield he can play as a number 10 and he's had this, this sense of how to control the tempo of a game I just think it was a mistake to let him go but you know letting Jordan Henderson go it's almost like you know taking the heartbeat away but it's not uh, really it's, it's an emotional decision to keep him it, ahead of Ronaldo it's hard to really know I think from the outside the dynamic in the dressing room like I, you assume Van Dyke and Henderson yeah. Yeah, yeah. are the yeah, leaders Henderson in this is very team important right? that is an important factor so I, I look at this you have other important players up front yeah. but obviously their contracts are all expiring at the same time we can go back about whether that was a wise, wise decision yeah. or not but I, I don't know I, I, don't, I can't fault that I, I do want to get onto the refereeing a little bit because before the game Inevitably, it sometimes happens on Trotton forums and so on. Some people made a big deal out of the fact that Anthony Taylor and um, Paul Tierney, the, the VAR, are both from Manchester. Now, I would have thought it's pretty meaningless in the sense that, other than leaving aside the integrity issues, I don't think stuff should matter in the modern game. Um, and equally, just because you're from Manchester, I believe there's another club in Manchester which is also pretty well supported. So who, know, who knows who they're supporting uh, growing up? However, it does kind of create a look. And one of the suggestions floated was that maybe this played on their heads, in, in their minds a little bit. And this is part of the reason why Thiago Alcantara wasn't sent off, because I, I thought he could or have Fabinho. had... Yeah. Or Fabinho later on Bernardo Silva. But, but, you know, that was late in the game. Yeah, yeah. True. But earlier, I mean, I thought there's only so many... There's a lot of yellow card files. And is it that? Is it the old English thing? Well, you don't want to spoil the game by sending somebody off. I mean, what, what is it? I think the referee doesn't want it. I think people like Anthony Taylor don't want to make it about themselves. I think it's such a big game. They don't want the scrutiny and the spotlight to be on themselves the following day or later that day. I think they don't want to be the centre of the attention. I think that's part of it. It's nothing to do with where he's from. I mean, he actually declared himself to be an Altrincham fan, by the way, in the past. Altrincham, a non-league team, as you know. Uh, yeah. uh, it, you know, that's, that's debatable, but you can't stop the guy having a refereeing career because he's from Manchester no of course not you know it's but they're in but the past have been, someone else, but in the past there have been referees like Mark Clattenburg Jeff Windsor who were based in the North East couldn't referee Newcastle games or Middlesbrough games because of where they're from so I, it's difficult if you say that Anthony Taylor you can't referee Man United or City games then he can't referee a decent game for the rest of his career because then you can't referee a Liverpool game because it might have an effect on, on yeah. City's games I, I, personally this used to be a big thing with you know they always looked where the play, where the guy was from mm. and that's why it seemed that like at one point there were like five referees in the Premier League who were yeah. from Tring which is a yeah. place up north <laughs> um, with no Premier League side um, but I, I, I'm glad we've moved past that I don't think it should matter where you're from However, you guys were there, uh, I didn't hear on television, but the Liverpool yeah. fans were pointing out. They were just reminding him where he was from and what kind of uh, person he was, if you right. see what I mean. You, Mank, and then the Yeah, words. but Mike Dean used to get it, because obviously he's from the yeah. world, which is just across the water from Liverpool, so he, he would get it. For, it it's just yeah, it's a price in the ticket, but isn't it? do we agree Thiago should have been sent off? Um, see, me and Jules have spoken about this, that the, the third foul, which was the worst of the lot, he wasn't caution for that because he was fouled milliseconds before by Rodri so the first offence was on him but yeah I think but the second foul was enough yeah I think I, but I think the third foul I think people are looking at the wrong one but yeah the second foul was that I mean yeah I thought there was easily two yellows in the fouls that Thiago Thiago made at time it's not as bad as the Fabinho tackle which I think was he was really lucky just to be yellow and uh, you're right it's late in the game I think it's 83rd minute there's still 10 minutes to go after that. And if you're 11 v 10 with 10 minutes to go when everybody's tired, when, when City, as we saw, are 11 against 11, had a really strong ending of the game, that could change. But that Fabinho tackle on Bernardo is, is brutal, I thought. 
Both these teams played on Tuesday night, mm-hmm. um, but with very different outcomes. Obviously, Liverpool winning um, away uh, to Benfica in the Champions League. City's game, I thought, a lot more taxing and still very much in the balance because it's Atletico Madrid away. You've got a one-goal lead. And then, of course, they do it again next week in the FA Cup. Yeah. It's difficult to go and separate the context where you are. I mean, was there a case that maybe Liverpool minds should have been a little or, or maybe were a little more clear and free going into this game? I don't think so. I, I take your point, but I think... I think for City, having lost that big lead, it was 16 points with a couple of games in hand in January. I think City knew that if they'd lost that game, then I think the season was up for them, the title race, because the momentum would have gone to Liverpool. So I think City had the clearer minds because they had a more, a clearer focus, really. You think if City go two points back, they just give up and say, oh, no, no, but I think the way Liverpool have been playing recently and the results they've had, I think Liverpool would just kick on. I think it was so important to finish yesterday top of the league, considering the games that are left. So I think that was City's... Motivation, but you talk about last week the, the, the taxing nature of this, the Atletico game. I mean, City were at home, Liverpool travelled, so that, that may balance it out the fact mm. that Liverpool were getting back at two o'clock yeah, in the morning. They travelled to Lisbon, they didn't travel to Uzbekistan. Yeah, so, so there are little things that balance it out. I, I, I don't think that's an issue. I think I think what may become an issue as we go on is that they're going to play each other again next week, as you say, in the semi final and possibly likely in the Champions League final as well. So there's going to be a bit of uh, needle by the time we get to Paris, maybe. You know what? You just said likely. I'm if 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 Atleti do it, I'm going to tell Diego Simeone to come by your house dressed all in black. By all means, right in. I'd happily and, welcome uh, him in and, and call you <laughs> on that. Um, we're talking a little bit about Grealish. You guys wanted to to, to bring that up. I mean, you, yeah. you, you point out the fact that he's a hundred million pound player doesn't start a game like this. Yeah, it doesn't start a game like this. And also, <clears throat> can you guys tell me a particular standout moment from Grealish this year? You know, the, the biggest sign of the summer, if you pay £100 million for a player, you're expecting to be a guy that decides games. And I don't think he has done. There's been a couple of instances in the last couple of games. So in the midweek against Atletico, he really struggled to deal with the attention he was being given by the Atletico defenders. He was being kicked and he was being, it was kind of a bit of a throwback, but he didn't handle it very well. And I think one thing is that if he plays against Atleti in, in Madrid, I'd be amazed. I think Pep will have seen that they were able to get at him can't play him against Atletico, get risk a red card. But against Liverpool yesterday, there was a moment, it was about 92nd minute, yeah, where totally there, there was a counter-attack on, and Grealish had, had carried the ball, and there was a great pass onto De Bruyne on the left-hand side, and if, if he passes to De Bruyne, De Bruyne takes it to the corner fly, kills time, and kills the game. Gre- Grealish, score, Grealish took too many touches, lost the ball, and Liverpool attacked, and they, they, really, they had a, a free kick from that, and he could have scored. If they'd have scored then, Jack Grealish could have cost City the title. Now, obviously, it's ifs and buts, but it's just little things whereby, for a hundred million pound player, his decision making isn't great at times. Pep was time. mad, and De Bruyne was even mad. And we also the part. I mean, I don't know on television if you could see, depending on the angle, but the, in the stadium, everybody could see the pass was there. It was so easy, and yet he took an extra touch to go around Matip or Van Dijk, mm. and then or maybe even Fabinho, and then ended up losing the ball. I just think that. Like Mares, when he arrived from Leicester, he needed a bit of time to adapt to Pep's tactics or style, whatever you want, to change his game a little bit because he's very different, as we've said many times, I know. But to play for Villa when you're the main guy and then to go to City and play... He's admitted that, hasn't he? He admitted that he found it difficult. Yeah, but I which think is he normal, should, I think. But I think he should have gone there realising what he was letting himself in for. He probably did, but it still, yeah. stays, still takes a transition. I mean, yeah. I, I'm with you on this that. one. Like, he would like, get there. I don't know. I can't say for sure if he's going to get there, but I can say that I'm going to give him a pass mm. for this first year because 
City is completely different to what he had at Villa. It's a different club. And it's a fortunate. lot of players, when they move to Manchester City, yeah. takes them a little yeah, bit. Not yeah. everybody's Ruben Diaz, yeah. who's you know, King Kong no. from day one. Right? It's fortunate as well in the sense that he's gone to a winning team. I mean, we see people like over the years, you know, Grealish, Naby Keita at Liverpool has not been great, but you get away with it, a team that's winning. You look at Lukaku, the stick he's getting at Chelsea, or, not, you know, or, or Pogba at United. If, yeah, you play, yeah. if you're a big name that goes to a team that doesn't win, it's much harder. At least Grealish is protected by the great players around him and the success that City are having. Mm. All right. People make a big deal. Jules and I touched upon this last time. Does it matter if you play first or you play second, mm. right? So we know that... In the next three match days, um, those have been set. It's Liverpool first, and then it's City first, and then it's Liverpool first That's again. Right. After that, it's, other factors are going to come into it from, you know, there's rearranged fixtures, there's potentially Champions League and whatever coming into it. Um, would you rather play first or second, Augie? Um, you know, this depends on the result of the first game. I know it sounds ridiculous, but if, if the first game... Well, you, if you play first, you can control... Yeah. The result of the first game. But if you play second you're, and your rivals have lost, I think it gives you a real boost. But if you play second and your rivals have won, the pressure's on. So it all depends on the result. You know, we've seen in the past that when. So there's no inherent advantage to playing first so. or second? I no. I think the pressure is either. If you play second, you always have the pressure. If they've lost before you, you have the pressure because you know you have to win. It's indispensable. You have to win to go over them. Remember and the if day. If they won, you have the pressure to keep winning yourself. Remember the Gerard slip day? Liverpool yeah. played Chelsea and lost, and City played at Palace an hour or two later, and the, the relief and the, the, the pressure lifted off City. I think it depends on the result of the game before. Mm. If, if your rivals win, the pressure's massive. If your rivals lose or drop points, the pressure's still there, but it becomes a positive pressure knowing that if you win, you take advantage and you go ahead. So it depends on the result, I think. I think it makes less of a difference for Liverpool to play first simply because they know they have to win every game. Mm. Um, and do we think that they all? Really do we think they're both going to win seven out of seven? I, I do think that Liverpool against Tottenham, with it being at Anfield, I think you'd expect them to win that. But I think that, that is a tricky game, bearing in mind where Tottenham might be. We also have to factor in the Champions League games as well. You know, if they're a Wednesday night and they're followed by a Saturday game, we don't quite know the fixtures fall. But I, I don't see City and Liverpool really be really struggling on the back of playing midweek at the moment. I think they're so much better than everybody else. I can answer that. I don't think they're winning seven out of seven. I, I just think statistically it's it's weird. I mean, you know, City, City dropped it. seven points out of the last nine before yeah. before the last two. So. But, but these two teams have had 10, 12, 14 game winning streaks in the past. It's not unusual for these teams to do that. It is for everybody else. Yeah. It's but a I, different one when one team's going for a trouble, one team's going for a quarter. Yeah. Um, all right, I want to get to a, a more meta issue here, which people have talked about. You know, are these the two greatest teams in the history of the Premier League? And again, to be clear in case Stevie Nichols watching, <clears throat> football wasn't invented in 1992. It's not when it began. <laughs> but we are talking, right? We, we, we've got three decades of body of work. Are these the two greatest teams? And then, hence, a follow-on from this, is this the greatest rivalry? I'm going to go on straight out and say, no, this is not the greatest rivalry. In fact, I'm not even sure this is a rivalry other than a purely sporting one, which is wonderful. But to me, rivalry's got to have, it's got to have needle, it's got to yeah. have spice, Beef. it's got to have, yeah, it's got to have Patrick Vieira and Roy Keane, was it, was it in the tunnel, was it Vieira's picking exactly. Gary Neville and yeah. Roy Keane says, pick on somebody your own size and whatever, and, 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 and Fergie and Wenger, that was a real rivalry. Um, Chelsea and Arsenal, in their own way, with some of the Mourinho stuff, right? Yeah. People are saying, oh, no, those are more boring mind games. This isn't about the purity of football. That's nonsense. Yeah. If we talk rivalry, there are more elements to it, right? Hey, Rangers and Celtic, the rivalry isn't just there because 
you know, there are two teams from Glasgow who've won a lot of titles. Mm. Uh, people compared it to the Classico. No, the, the, the Classico has a political dimension. It has it has a dimension of, of history mm. that's there, and that matters, and that makes a rivalry. Liverpool and City do not have the historical side. They do not have the personal enmity. And maybe it's good. Maybe Klopp and Pep mm. are grown-ups who really admire each other and like each other. It doesn't have the incidents, the needle between the players. How close were we, were we to a fight at any time in this, or, or, even, or even in melee, right? It doesn't happen. And it's... I'm not faulting them for it. I'm just saying it's not a rivalry in the way we understand sporting rivalries. Absolutely. You need, you need a bad guy. You need, a, you, you need a villain and, and you, need, you need that needle, you need that edge. And you need, you know, you, you talk about you know, Liverpool, Chelsea, Benitez, Mourinho, goal score, all these moments. It's a controversy that makes a rivalry. You know, take it away from football, you know. Borg, McEnroe, the, the kind of, even Hamilton, Verstappen, it's all about issues that, create debate and create division there's not really any kind of sense of that in this, this rivalry it's, it's, it's too pure almost isn't it it's too much loving between Pep well, yeah. and Jorgen even De Bruyne you know his kids go in the same school to Van Dijk's kid in the same class they see each other all the time outside of football I was, like, yeah. like you know like really good friends so like when they meet each other they're not gonna I know he kicked him and got yellow at the end because he I had think, to kind of thing but you know it's, I, I think this stems from Jamie Carragher's column in the Telegraph on Friday and I was winding him up basically saying that he's fishing right out looking for bites and he basically said that you know he got the reaction he got was mainly Arsenal fans getting angry about it <laughs> I think let's be honest so for those who don't read the Telegraph yeah. I know you used to work he for said the it was Telegraph the greatest what did he say? Ever Jamie said that this was a, the biggest rivalry in English football bigger than anything else and, and obviously I contested it because I think that people forget that United and Arsenal won nine titles between themselves between was it 97 and 2004 yeah. nine Liverpool and City are kind of on their way I know but they're not done nine yet and now right. people are saying well you know Liverpool, Arsenal never won the Champions League or City haven't won the Champions League and United haven't won many but I do think the fact that you can overlook how intense that rivalry was between United and Arsenal mm. and it's a long time ago it was 20 years ago and a lot of our audience probably won't even know that United and Arsenal used to be good but they used to be really, <laughs> good. <laughs> really good yeah. they used to be really good and it was it was kind of and you go to games and there's a real kind of tension there. It was, uh, but there was tension yesterday, but it was almost like... They weren't a bit better, you're right. It was it, not, it, there were a lot of police outside. They were doing yeah. nothing they, because there was nothing to do anyway. But, I think, but maybe it's sad that the fact, the only thing that United and Arsenal have got now, all they've got left is that they had the best rival in the Premier League. Everything else is gone. Yeah. City are better than United, Liverpool are better than Arsenal. And it is quite sad that the two dominant teams of the Premier League era United and Arsenal are no longer competitive but that's how it is but their rivalry will, will endure forever because it's mm. just it was an epic rivalry and it I think was, I, it was amazing I want to right, we need to wrap this but I'm going to throw, throw this out there as a thought and I'd love to hear what you guys think are we moved into the era of the successful manager who is a nice guy and everybody likes Carlo Ancelotti used to be the exception here right yeah. but I'm kind of looking around this right too cool. People like Xavi, right? People like Klopp. People like Pep. Yeah. Um, if you want to go to people like Simone Inzaghi. Pochini. His own fans don't necessarily like him too much, but still. Um, it seems like that kind of needly, aggressive... I don't know. I think Conte can be a bit like that, no? Conte definitely. Yeah. Conte is definitely a, a, a throwback who yeah. will... Who will turn some people off, right? But he's not nasty like Mourinho. He's, he's, Conte does it with a bit of a glint in his eye, doesn't he? I think I know what you're saying, but he, there's a bit of you can like Conte. He does it with a bit of a. But it is interesting that that idea yeah. that right, if I'm going to be the Superman, leader, Messiah, blah blah blah, Almighty Old Testament God, mm. 
Um, do you think it's because they just focus on the pitch? Zidane is like that. Zidane couldn't care less almost who is the manager well, on the other dugout. All he cares is the game, the you tactics. You could say that, that they focus on the pitch. Klopp certainly doesn't. Klopp, Klopp's spoken out on a range of social and political yeah. issues. True, true. Right? Um, I think Klopp can get a bit... I mean, he had that little spat with Lampard and that's not a, a level kind of playing field. But I think Klopp can be quite antsy at times. I think... You know, if Eric Ten Hag comes in and starts winding people up, you never know, but I don't think you will. Um, <laughs> so we, we point this out, of course, on the weekend when Neil Warnock announced <laughs> that he was retiring from football. We know what category he's in. <laughs> Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing. However you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launcher online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million dollar stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify is your no excuses business partner. Sell without needing to code or design. Just bring your best ideas and Shopify will help you open up shop. What I love about Shopify is how no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. Because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash gabjewels, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash g-a-b-j-u-l-s now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash gabjewels. Quick Hits is sponsored by Football Manager 22, now on sale. All right, enough City and Liverpool. How about some quick hits instead? Let's go, Gab. Jules, yes. I got to go there. It's the man you once called Bad de Jong. Okay. He comes up big in injury time to give Barcelona a 3-2 win away to Levante. Can we upgrade his status now? Listen, Bad de Jong, this is the day, this is the moment where actually you're right. We upgrade you to no more de Jong, which you're still not as good as the other de Jong in your team. But you've been pretty good in the last few games. I have to say, that's some of a super sub role that Xavi has for you. It's perfect. You, you come on. You know, this is a big, big goal because they were not playing well. They were not good at all. Again, and we gave some credit to Levante and their Italian manager. Yeah, yeah. And especially El Comandante, Comandante Morales. Morales. Not only does he convert. Yeah, by the way, this was crazy. Just, just it was a quick crazy. Tour on Levante, right? So he has the goal, which would have been the goal of the season. The, the, the goal of the century it, right? for him. For where sure. he beats... He beats the entire team and Incredible. then at the end it's saved off the line by... But if I'm just taken, I think I let it go. I let it go in. Exactly. I, you have to like say, okay, you got to say go. You got to respect the commandante, right? And then they get three penalties in this game and then they change it's the penalty crazy. takers each time. What, what, I've never seen that before. Never. Three different takers, never. It's so weird. It's crazy. But um, big, big goal, well done, no more de Jong. And some love for Pedri as well. Yeah, of big course. Win. Big win. Because now he's I, scoring more, which is something very, very, very Let impressive. me repeat. Without Luke de Jong's goal this season, Barcelona would be so right. Maybe we don't have this big love. Yeah, exactly. Milan are held away to to Torino. Nil-nil. Gab, they've dropped four points now in the space of a week. He's purely getting a bit worried now. He should be worried. He should be worried. If if Inter win their game in hand, they go top. These are games that, certainly the Bologna game, they had 33 shots, whatever. They were nowhere near as good against Torino. Torino defending really well. Bremer, by the way, is a one-man. He's one-man gang. He's like like a wrecking machine uh, at the back. Um, These are big points. Yeah. Chelsea bounced back from their humiliation last weekend by unleashing a can of whoop-ass on Southampton away and winning 6-0. 
Jews, it's all about wanting to show pride and a reaction for their manager and these other stereotypes that scribes throw around. Well, I, I think there's a bit of that. He certainly raised his voice, which he'd never done before uh, after the, uh, the Real Madrid defeat. And, and I think he would have been very happy with the reaction. However, I mean, Southampton were like, was, was that the over 60s without <laughs> a veteran team? Did they, what, what happened to that team? I mean, Chelsea could have won that game 15-0 and yeah. we would be like, yeah, And, no and this problem. is not one of those games where Southampton get pasted because they keep pressing and attacking and they yeah, get yeah, yeah, the a lot of space. This was just a game which they played really poorly. Oh, and and Chelsea poorly. won fire. Mason Mount cuts his hair. And then has an amazing game. I mean, like, you know, call yeah. that psychology. So, hey, well done. Well done. Sticking with Chelsea, today is the day where the uh, four ownership groups still in place for the, uh, still in the race for the, tight, for the, uh, the takeover have to submit the revised bids, Gab. Uh, any developments? Any things that we know that have happened in the last few days? Okay. So, I had a conversation with somebody which made me very cynical about this. And cynical me... Um, suggests that the government will decide who gets this bid. Yeah. And so Chelsea fans are voters and the government's aware of this. And so there is one group which is firmly ahead, I think, in terms of the appeal to the government. And that is the one run by, hey, look, a former Tory, uh, a former Tory Lord Coe yes. and Sir Martin Broughton. Of course. You have a level of Englishness. You've got the money's coming from Harris and Blitzer, who, of course, are, are part owners of Palace, but they already know the Premier League. They know the environment. Um, they can play us a, a waiting game on this, yeah. and I think they will. Um, but the others, Todd Bowley and, and Ricketts, both saying, uh, suggesting that, oh, we're willing to give a golden share to the fan, that important part decisions. We're going to have a, a fan advisory board so that, you know, if we want to, Chelsea to start playing in pink or Chelsea moving to Milton Keynes or whatever, yeah. they can stop it. Um, I don't know. I think this is still going to run. And I remind everybody that as things stand, Roman Abramovich could decide not to sell at all. Yeah. He can't force a sale as things stand. He could also go and start suing people and say, why are you doing this? On what basis are you making these links? So I think there's still a lot more to come on this. Mm. Better late than never, Jules. It's another M&M show for Paris Saint-Germain against Clermont Foot. Oh, my God. I mean, it was amazing. Yeah, of course it was. There was a hat-trick for Mbappé, a hat-trick for Neymar, a hat-trick of assists for, for Messi. Mbappé was, I think, involved in every, every goal they scored. But like his clam of food. Well, you know, I don't, I don't really care anymore. They're going to win the title. There's no stakes. This felt like a preseason friendly against Le Petit Pen or something. Last weekend against Lorient, exactly. Yeah. I would have scored against Clermont, <laughs> uh, you know, every time. Next weekend is the, is the big classic against Marseille at the Parc des Princes, a Marseille team on, on really good form right now. If they do that again next week, then okay, we can give credit. Right. Now, I don't want to give credit as much as I love the NMN, the MNN. I don't, I don't want to give credit now for a win against Clermont, even away from home. Where, yeah, okay, they scored six, but come on. Tottenham Hotspur beat up Aston Villa away from home 4 0. Gab, how about the KSK then? And now, do you think they're favourites to finish fourth? Yeah, I, look, it's amazing now. We've got all our, we got all our acronyms out there. Um, this is interesting because at halftime, I thought Villa were well, the probably better the better side. Far. Yeah, Lloris kept them um, in the game. Uh, Hugo Lloris coming up with some big saves, eventually yeah. wearing them down. Hongwen Son coming up big. Kulusevski as well. Amazing, amazing. Uh, they have a good song for him. Um, yeah. I, miss, I have a sense that loan's going to be made uh, permanent. Yeah, on paper, they're favorites, but... Twists and turns. Remember, they still have that big game against Liverpool coming yeah, up. Yeah, Run the derby in. against Arsenal as well. Even at home. And the yeah. derby against uh, a faltering. What Arsenal. about the Kane little uh, assist for Son with his head? Amazing. I, I thought you'd appreciate that. Bit special that Harry yeah. Kane. 
All right, I can feel it. More quick hits coming your way. Oh, yes. More woe for Manchester United, who lose away to Everton 1-0. Jules are seventh, six points away from a Champions League spot. Not good. Not good at all. I don't even know where to start. Is this the worst Manchester United team? But they had their chances. Pickford, was, Pickford made some good saves. Okay, there's one on the Rashford header, and that's it. Rashford played well. Those players don't care. The way Matic lost the ball on the uh, Anthony Gordon, deflected by yeah, West, deflected Harry Maguire. You can only be a Harry <laughs> oh, Maguire. Guy. Um, you know, it's pathetic. I thought the display was pathetic. I thought the only good thing was David, no, David De Gea's interview post-match saying like, we, we're not good, we don't create, we don't score, we're rubbish. We're, yeah, this is, I, I'm really sad for United yeah. fans. I don't know how, how long it will take you to go back to the top, but it's going to take you a long time. Whoever comes as a manager, Ten Hag or someone else. And me, one guy, Cristiano Ronaldo, is also in the news, but for the wrong reasons. Yeah, so apparently while he was walking off the pitch, uh, he's, he's going down the tunnel. This kid, this 14-year-old kid, who we later found out, his mother says is autistic, starts filming his leg with his phone because Cristiano has a wound on his leg. Yeah. Cristiano, you can see on the video, he smacks the yeah. phone to the ground. Um, Cristiano apologized for it afterwards, invited the kid to Old Trafford, which, by the way, if he's an Everton fan, whatever. Yeah. But, um, look, he recognized straight away. He screwed up. The nerves got to him. It's not often we see Cristiano losing it's control like this, right, right. especially with fans. So I'm going to stick up for him a little bit. There's a police investigation now. Why? I don't know if they have, the police have to investigate. They want to argue. I, I hope people don't milk this for any more than it is. No. He did wrong. He apologized straight away. That's what we want. Yeah. Back-to-back defeats for Mikel Arteta's Arsenal. Um, this one at home to Brighton has to hurt more, Jules. Yeah, it wasn't good. I think Arteta got his team selection wrong. We have to say, Chaka left back, for example. The way the midfield set up. Not, I think not keeping Nuno Tavares. I didn't really understand you know, why, despite the poor game he had against Crystal Palace. But again, a lot of the Arsenal players had. I don't think they're still very much in it. Even if you think that Spurs are favourite now for that fourth place, they're still very much in it. It's not April 20th, they play Chelsea. Yeah. It's, I think, it's I think a lot's going to hinge on that. Maybe, yeah, time. but it's not a disaster per se still. Uh, it's a disaster when you have the momentum and you lose two games in no, a row. I know like it this. is. It's not great, but you, you know, it's not like if they were 10 points behind now. So I think they have to try to stay positive and I still think that Martinelli goal should have stood. It's, no one can tell me it was a clear mistake by the referee to allow it. Because it took them forever to actually try to put a line together to say it was offside. It should have stood. More Football League's revelations from Der Spiegel in Germany about financial irregularities. How much the City gap? What's stake here? So all these things are allegations that have been that have been made before, right? So irregularities in signing of young players. In this case, it's, yeah. it's Jaden Sancho. Um, Roberto Mancini's contract, they actually published Mancini's contract where it turns yeah. out that... He was paid you know, by... He, well, he invoices <laughs> Manchester City and then a big chunk of his salary gets paid by Al Jazeera, which is also owned by Sheikh Mansour. Yeah. Um, and then revelations that despite the fact that, you know, they testified in court uh, in the Cass case that, no, these are sponsorships. You know, this isn't just um, money coming in from the owner. These are real sponsorships. It's not so much about the inflated value. Is they actually talk about, oh, we need X million. Okay, yeah, email at the Salat or whatever. Make sure they get the money in. This looks bad. Really um, bad. It is some of the stuff they went over. I, I remind you, there's a Premier League investigation that has now been ongoing since December 2018, I believe. It's pretty extraordinary. It'll be interesting to see if this stuff gets admitted uh, as sure evidence. Way. Interesting to see how City defend themselves because they've never made a public statement uh, about this. 
I'm also fascinated because I like the cloak and dagger side of it is, is somebody at City still leaking things? Uh, is whoever got these emails, whether they were hacked they were or whether they were leaked from the yeah. inside, do they release them little by little? And so for what reason? Yeah, um, yeah. I still think that this warrants a big, serious investigation. And, you know, Rui Pinto, the, the hacker himself, is out of the picture now. Oh, yeah, so, completely. He's been arrested, uh, so it's not him. You know, <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of questions here. Yeah. Robert Lewandowski gets the late winners by and win their mini derby against Augsburg 1-0. Jules, I think they probably had other things on their mind, like the return against Villarreal. No? I would hope so for them, because this was not good. It wasn't good at all. And maybe, yeah, maybe they were not really in the game because they thought already about this week and the Champions League and the, the goal, the goal deficit that they have to come back from to qualify for the semi-final. So that's a bit like PSG. It's hard to get motivated when they're chasing pack. No, okay, maybe, but still, uh, there's a few yeah. performances we've seen now that are quite roaring if you just take the performance yeah. in itself. So let's hope they can get it right, especially in midweek. Well, let's hope if you're a Bayern yeah, fan. If, Bayern if you're a Villarreal fan, fan, you, you may disagree. Yeah, if you want to, if you want to rely on to win, of course. You, you, want, <laughs> you, want, you don't want them to be at their best. Napoli threw away a golden chance, Gab, to go top by losing at home to Fiorentina. 3-2 and my boy Jonathan Icone finally with his first goal at the club this was a thriller and a wasted opportunity right? Yeah and look Fiorentina are a really good side they've had a They're really good, good side, they, yeah. they, they've, they've come on tremendously compared to last season they've had a really good sort of bounce back period uh, Icone has obviously been part of it he came on in this game uh, Nico Gonzalez scoring a, yeah, a tremendous goal he was really good um, I don't think Napoli played that bad, but you know there is something to be said. It was a packed house uh, at, the, at, at the Maradona Stadium. They've lost six games in Serie A this season. Five of those have been How home come? defeats. And I don't know. You want to talk about bottling. You want to talk about wow, wrong opponent, wrong time. Stuff. They're still in it. They're still yeah. in it. 66 points. Um, but the margin of error keeps compressing. And yeah. it's, it's hard for them because, remember, last season, um, they, they lost the, the, they're playing a Verona side with nothing to play for and they screwed that game up and so miss out on the Champions League a couple of years ago they were in the driving seat and then they screwed up at the end yeah, and they were yeah, the title yeah. so it's working in their heads yeah definitely Real Madrid beat Getafe 2-0 as Carlo Ancelotti rests some players and there's another Gareth Bale appearance yeah there is he came on and then he gets booed and that makes him smile you know good reaction I guess instead of losing your shizzles this was a game where Getafe was terrible. Yeah, never really a threat or anything like that. Good to win, good to rest people and focus on the Chelsea second leg. Now, Inter beat Verona 2-0. Quite similar game to the Real Madrid one, to be fair, which means that if they win the game in hand against Bologna, they will go top. Gab, are, now, are they now the favourites for this Serie A title? I'm hesitant to say that my policy now is that when I'm asked this, because just been, so, you know what? I, 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 I'm just <laughs> going to go and I'm just going to point to whoever has the most points at the table at the time and say yeah. they're the favorites. Yeah. You have to I win this. It's Bologna. It's by no means a given, as, as Milan found out when they played Bologna. Um, they certainly played well. I think people look at this and say, like, oh, look, then they beat Juve, so they must be great. Yeah, but Juve battered them. You know, let's not forget. This yeah. isn't like a team yeah, that's yeah, all yeah, of yeah. a sudden, everything's coming together for them. But those are three really, really big yeah. points and a really, really big boost for Simone Inzaghi. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 
Join more than three and a half million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Gab. Just go to Indeed.com slash Gab right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Gab. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Atletico Madrid are beaten by relegation-threatened Mallorca, uh, who scored a penalty. Jules, did they look past them to the big Champions League clash with City, or is this really just Atleti right now? I mean, they were bad. If you have to take the game to the opposition, ooh, I can't do that. They had the ball, and then they had one shot on target. They didn't create anything. I thought it was terrible. And I, and I thought after the display against City that we disagree a little bit on, where you thought they did what they kind of had to do, I, did, I don't think so. But you think, okay, they go to Mallorca, even away from home, and you think, okay, let's, let's show that we can also attack and create and score. And instead, it's a terrible performance. And I'm like, what are you doing? And that's not, that can't reassure you before the second leg against City. That worries, that worries you more than anything else. And I'm watching Yay. that game and I'm like, well, no, you're, you're fighting for top four. You know, you're fighting to stay in touch with Sevilla and with Barcelona. And behind you, there could be Betis and Real Sociedad. And you, you're not playing well and you're losing. And, and then you lose against to Mallorca. You're like... I don't know if I agree. I, I think he has a strategy for City. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if in the return leg it's more of the same, more of the five-five-zero, because City will it continue to try and play an attack and maybe you nick something and then 20 minutes to go. 25 minutes ago, no you, you throw on Suarez and Cunha and whoever you want so to So you watched that game against Mallorca and you thought, oh, yeah, yeah, they're ready for the City second leg. No, I just thought they didn't care about this game. They know they're going to finish top four. Um, no, and they no. really didn't care. I think you're really kind to them, really kind. Borussia Dortmund won 2 0 at Stuttgart on Friday night. But Gab, the story is Jorena's in injury as well and Matt Summers' injury as well. That looks a long layoff, especially for Reina. Yeah. He um, was crying, love him. I know. It was actually just two minutes into really the game. Sad. It was really it was really not nice to see. And obviously I mean, I don't think this imperils his World Cup, although obviously it don't imperil his his preparation for it. Um I need just like he needs a hole in the head and Julian Brandt came on, scored the goals. Um Yeah. But I think if you're Dortmund, you just want this season to end. God, like honestly, like even I Holland is not scoring anymore. <laughs> well, it's fine. I mean, you know, Holland played. He played. He played with uh, with painkillers as well, which yeah, apparently he'd never yeah, done before. And he still gave an assist. Listen, just just come to an end. Figure out how you're going to spend the Holland money where he goes. Take a long, hard look at yourself. Take stock. Nice. Ask yourself questions that maybe you're not as smart as you thought you were. And I'm talking maybe, about the people yeah, above. Maybe. Figure out what you want to do with Marco Rosa. Um, this, this is your job between now and the end of the season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Leipzig beat up Hoffenheim and your boy Christopher Nkunku scores again. Jules, all coming together nicely. One so point nice. from third place. Incredible. I looked at Tedesco's um, average points since he took over. It's something like 220 per game, which is as many almost as Nagelsmann at Bayern. Yeah, yeah and way more than Rosa. Uh, Dortmund is great. I mean, I... I, you can you can come at, you can at me, come and debate. But Christopher Nkunku is by far the player of the season in the Bundesliga. I don't care about your Lewandowski's or your Müllers or your Musialas or whoever you want. Nkunku has been the best player in that league by far this season and one of the best in Europe. The development, really, and I, and I would want confirmation at a better club soon, either next season or the season after. 
but the, his development has been just incredible. Third best French player in the world after Mbappe and third uh, best French player Benzema. in the world, yeah. exactly after Karim, the Dream, <laughs> and uh, Kylian. But incredible, and I'm so happy for him and for Leipzig because you remember I was a bit skeptical with Tedesco. You were far more a beat, and you were right, and I was wrong. But I'm glad to see them playing when they play like that, and even when someone like Soboslai, who doesn't actually start much for Tedesco, you know, starts now and has a great game, you realize that he's made that squad better, not just the starting 11 or starting 12. So well done to them. Everybody is saying United are closer to picking Eric Ten Hag for next season, so maybe it's inevitable gap that other stories come out, like the one suggesting Leipzig might tent Ten Hag instead or the one that says that Robin Van Persie won't be able to be on Ten Hag's uh, coaching staff because he won't get a work permit to join him at United. I mean, why would Leipzig want right. to get rid of Tedesco now and get Ten Hag in? Both these stories are so stupid. stupid. I don't even, but I will address them because they're, 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 they're in the media. Um, I have no idea why Leipzig would possibly want Ten Hag. It's not that they think Tedesco's got God's gift to football, but no. equally, um, it would be a very un-Leipzig move to go and get somebody else especially from a from another big club Completely. like Ajax who's got the Champions League why would why, you think Ten Hag's like oh Amsterdam's too exciting for me let me go and move to Leipzig which I say <laughs> which is, is a much better project and I want to use the word I, I, Leipzig to me and I've been there is a place that you know rhymes with the word bump okay um, oh. no honestly it makes Manchester look, look oh like oh my Paris. god stop it then. um so to me, this is this is not a story to be taken seriously. Look, I could be wrong. Stranger things have happened. No. The work permit thing, you know, I said this apart. This idea is post post Brexit, you need a work permit. Yeah. Blah blah blah. You, you really going to have coached before and that kind of stuff. Yeah, but there's always exemptions. Of course, and there. Look, your name is Robin Van Persie. The club's name is Manchester United. If United say we need Robin Van Persie then I don't think any sane person is going to stand in the way. It's just not a reasonable thing. For the Premier especially League. for an assistant coach role. You know, it's not like if he was becoming the number one with no coaching badges or, you know, not work permit, nothing. Do you yeah, know what I mean? I don't know. Another huge win for Jesse Marsh and Leeds United, Jules. They beat Watford 3-0. Are we comfortable enough to definitively say they're safe? And can we congratulate Jesse Marsh? I think we should on? congratulate Jesse Marsh. Well done, Jesse. Uh, I think despite the skepticism when he arrived from a lot of people in this country, he's done, he's done really well to steady the ship. He hasn't always, he's always been quite eventful, to be fair. You know, some really late, late wins at some point, played with your heart if you're a Leeds fan. But I think he's done great. They certainly defend better than they, they were in the last few games of Bielsa, for example. And the only bad thing, I guess, was Rafinha's celebration where he tried a knee slide and then obviously <laughs> the knee... Well, the knee well, he, uh, got, he got stuck on the line, right? <laughs> like he got tripped over the line. And then it tumbled. Yeah. But apart from that, uh, it's, it's really good. And well done, Jesse. Well done, Jesse Marsh. Still yucky, though. He's yeah. Princeton, kind of a loser. Yeah, yeah, yeah. he's still, he's still not your no. favourite. No. You know. Juventus beat Cagliari away 2-1 after going a goal down as Paolo Dybala conjures up some magic for Dusan Vlaovic's winner. Gab, they're six-point back. You sure they're out of the title race? I mean, yeah, 98%. Well, look, it's not the six points. You can make up six points in six games, right? Yeah, but it's, it's the fact that there's three there. teams in exactly. front of you. Like, they're not all going to screw up every week to make it easy for you. Um, obviously, Dybala... Tremendous pass. I yeah. think he did very little right. until that point. Yeah, yeah, Moise Ken was about to come on. This has reignited the whole thing because Ravich goes and hugs him. He's like, oh, but look. Keep him. Like, oh, keep please. him. Keep him. Like I said, Juve, you're, doing, you're playing this correctly. Yeah, you yeah. keep Dybala on your terms, which are not his terms. Yeah. Because for now, for now, he does not, not justify that. Right. Yeah, no. If 
His terms come down. Yeah, yeah. I, like I said, I don't think Dybala's going to have this huge market. Exactly. I really don't. We agree. Darwin Nunez scores a hat-trick oh, for Benfica in the 3-1 win over Bell. I'm glad you say that, because when I brought up Darwin Nunez back in October, you're like, oh, why are we talking about Darwin Nunez? Ha! Well, no, now it's relevant. It was not back in October. I think what you mean is when facts change, opinions change. Jules, it's 31 goals in 36 games for him this season, and he's being linked with every big club in Europe on the back of a 70 million euro valuation. Yes. This makes sense to you, but excessive. Massively. No, no, no. Well, I think, yeah, it is a, it is a bit expensive I guess for someone who's had he scored six league goals last season yeah and before that he was Almeria in the Spanish second division so he, no I understand but it's so good you just need to look five minutes but at he him played well so against good. Liverpool so you're like eh. no it's not just Liverpool in the group stage he was fantastic he's been he's strong he's good he will improve I think technically on the ball but he's a good finisher what a player I, I've got no doubt the big move is coming this summer then we'll see where it goes but I'm, I, I, I can see why English clubs I can because I think he would fit perfectly in the Premier League are we seeing a return remember last year when we all talked about oh the, there's five great centre forwards in the world and you know it was it was Holland and Kane and um, Lewandowski and Lewandowski and then Benzema and, and Mbappe yeah. no no Lukaku and Lukaku, right, Lukaku yeah. right um I'm wondering, are we seeing another little sort of mini generation yeah. of yeah, younger right. ones with Nunez, Vlaovic, um, Ossiman? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I think maybe Tammy are. Abraham mentioned somebody who doesn't play in Italy yeah, now. Yeah, no, no, Jonathan David. Yeah, yeah, I think there's, there's, there's that. Jonathan David. Yeah, there's there that mini go. generation. You're right, coming through. I think, I think this is good and there's certainly the future and Darwin Nunez is, is part of that. So, well done. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Bayer Leverkusen have to settle for points at Bochum. They're still third, but just a single point above Leipzig. Gab, do you have some sympathy for my boy Musa Jabi? I do. The poor guy goes up to take a penalty. I know. And he slips, and he still scores, but in sort of falling, his foot does something weird, and he touches the ball twice. twice. And this is the rule. You're in Germany. This we the follow rule. the rules. We follow the rules. But, you know, I, they, they could be bad. I mean, look, they're not going to fall out of the top four, no, I don't think. They but, finish you know. Union win the Berlin oh. Derby. Uh, if only our producer, Freddy, was here. He's, was he's here. so hipster. He goes on about Union Berlin all the time. All the time. Uh, that means Hertha are still in the relegation zone. Jules, I guess the Felix Magath effect is wearing off. I, we told you. I know he started. We know he started his, uh, his, his first game. Uh, and, but we told you. It was never going to last. We told you. They were terrible, I thought, yesterday. <laughs> like, really, really bad. And you know they're a good team. But certainly have more... Momentum, confidence, that the dynamic is there. And, and I just think that there was never a case for Elta to, to go and win that game. I mean, a point maybe, and at some point it was 1-1, but then they exploded completely after the break. And it's just like, I mean, I don't know if it would be better. I, I, I hate this, this, the phrase of like, oh, it's better for them if they go down. I, I never think it's a good thing to go down. However, if that helps you kind of rebuilding or even just a reality check that I know you're not good enough, know what you're doing at that club despite spending a lot of money if you win horse, this is not good enough, then, then so be it, maybe. 
But right now, they're shambles, like so bad. I mean, the danger is if Vintorce says, I'm going to stop throwing good money after bad. Uh, yeah, yeah. And then they and also, go or, back or Rather up. than him, because I don't think a lot of it is his money. It's his investors' money. Yeah, yeah. If they say, why are we still doing this? That would be... And also, it's a tough league. And you might you don't know how long you'll be no, in there. No and question about it. And when you're going to come it. back, so... Giro Immobile bags a hat trick as Lazio win 4 1 away to Genoa. Gab, 32 goals for him this season in all competitions. He's 32. There's also a case, you know, there's that mini generation of strikers you said. There's also the like over 30s strikers who are doing pretty well considering their age. Yeah, although. Well, yeah, Immobile, 32, 33, sure. 34. I know. Like, I, I think, I think uh, our old colleague Matteo Bonetti tweeted this out and he's right. Like, has there ever been somebody else where there's such a disconnect between his performances at club level uh, yeah, and true. his performances at international level? I think it's you're going to struggle to find yeah. Real Sociedad went away to Elche, but Jules, we're talking about penalties a lot. Yeah. I have to ask you about that Alexander Isak penalty. And look, I know the rule. You know, you the, know rule. the rule. Um, I think your your younger son who's 10 and plays yeah. football knows the 13, rule. Yeah, yeah. No, the younger one. Oh, yeah, nine, yeah. Nine. Yeah. He knows the rules. Well, how did Alexander Isak think that this he could would get be where we So he makes his run-up. Is that a run-up you say in English? Yeah, he takes the run-up. Takes the run-up, and then as he's about to hit the ball, he stops completely, which you're not allowed to do anymore. But you're never allowed to stop, to stop completely. But, like, where do you think it's a good idea? So I mean, you can slow down or, yeah. like... Make a step. There's there's ways to kind of go. If you go on YouTube, watch Socrates takes penalties. Used to do this all the time. Yeah. I, I'm talking about the footballer, not the philosopher. <laughs> uh, you have to go that far back. But the thing is, you can't. You, it was too obvious. So I, obvious. Too bad. Like you think, like, come on, man, what's what's going on? I don't know if he was trying to be clever or if he I thought, mean, okay, maybe the ref is not going to give it against me. But guess what? He did. So, right, they won anyway, and the yeah, only living exactly. score loss in captivity also scored. Also scored, scored, I think, since October. So. <laughs> yeah, he's not very prolific this season. This was the weekend of weird goals, Gab, because as you pointed, tell me about the Modena goalkeeper, Ricardo Gagno, against Imolese in the uh, Serie C this weekend. Well, first off, Jules, um, many congratulations for calling him Ricardo Gagno and not Gagno, Gagno as a oh, lot yeah. of people would have. Thank you for doing it correctly. Yeah, um, yeah use. Take something special for us to dip into the Italian third division, or Lega Pro as it's now called. But this is pretty incredible. It's it's injury time. It's effectively a game that's going to be a big part in the side who gets uh, promoted to Serie B. And you just see the goalkeeper just belting it from his own box, travels the length of the pitch. Is there some wind or something? Do we there know? must have like, been wind. I mean, the other keeper is out, misjudges the bounce, it goes over his head. Love Might it. have been some spin. Love it. It's not something... I think we see this... I mean, I've seen it happen before. Yeah, but and again... You see this maybe league. like every three, four years. Yeah. Like so, worth a shout-out when it happens. Definitely. Well done. Jules, time to take another trip into oh, the Bososphere. As Leon are held by Strasbourg 1-1. What is Petter up oh, to now? It, I mean, to be fair, the draw was a miracle gap. They were so bad. You they were so packet? bad to a point where, like, how... That even badness doesn't... I mean... And yet, they salvaged a draw right at the end to Koikombi, who's been, you know, lately, they like silver lining and well, saving grace. The packet's done well too, right? The packet has done okay. He started well, and then when he started thinking about next season and moving to a bigger <laughs> club, it's like, like the packet got off a bit, a bit. But they lost Anthony Lopez in goal through injury, and Dombele through injury, I think Awa through injury. They're not sure about the West Ham second leg on Thursday, which would be a huge blow to be without them or even one of them three. But it's just another miracle. And it's just like, every time you think, okay, they can maybe play good, 
They're terrible. And I'm just like, what's wrong with them and what's wrong with Peter? If he had hair, Peter, I think he would be like... <laughs> I got some have called Betis soft this season, but they showed plenty of character in coming back to beat Cadiz this weekend and stay fifth in the table. Yeah, I mean, Betis has been all about sort of like <clears throat> attack and like a soft middle and so on. They're a goal down. There's yeah. like 10 minutes to go. You figure, all right, they've kind of packed the same, given up on the race for top four. But no, no. They, they bounce no. back. Borja Iglesias uh, getting the penalty at the end. There's life in the old Pellegrini, yeah? There is. And I'll tell you what, given the way that they go played at the weekend, you know, you could see some green and white yeah, headlights coming you. up behind them. Definitely, definitely. Porto went away to Vitoria Guimaraes to make it 57 games unbeaten. Wow. It's a new Portuguese record, Jules. Yeah, well done to them. One nil win away from home. Uh, this is great. I think we mentioned it last week on the show. I love those records. I know they're... For some people, they, they, they're meaningless, especially when it's not one of the big, big leagues and it's easier to do in Portugal because really, apart from Sporting and Benfica, you're expected to win all the other games or not lose them, at least. Um, but well done, Porto and Sergio Concesao, who really, really has done a great job there. They beat the records first set by Benfica in 76-78, between 76-78, so a long time ago. So it's not that easy, otherwise it would happen all the time in Portugal. But as you... As you put in the list. <laughs> There's a joined. lot of teams that have longer domestic records. Yeah, I mean, I don't know which one to pick. Levadia Tallinn, who stayed 71 games unbeaten, maybe. No. How about Milan, 58 games unbeaten? I think that's yeah, a relevant that the record. One. That is the one. Um, really. Boca Juniors also 59. Yeah, Celtic <laughs> 62. What I find it, yeah, but this, by the way, this is like the Celtic team from like, I think there's like the 19, 19 during the first world yeah, war or something. something like crazy. So Asik Abidjan, to be fair to them, yeah, 108 games unbeaten. Um, so you could say Porto's halfway towards uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, towards reaching them. Sorry, not even halfway. Um, no, what am I talking about? No, they're more than halfway. Sorry. More than halfway. Yeah, yes, well done, Porto. Long way. long way to go. Stava Bucharest, 104. Um, to get political and remind you that that was uh, Ceausescu's favorite yeah, team. Yeah, a lot think, of question marks I think they about had a that. Bit of favors then. Lincoln Red Imps from Gibraltar. I don't know who they were playing. Maybe imps playing other kind of fictional beings. Maybe yeah, the, yeah. leprechauns. 88. Um, so yeah. they did lose at some point. That somebody did <laughs> beat know. them. Sheriff Tiraspol, 63. That, that's more impressive. Yeah, more yeah. recent, too. Um, yeah, you'll find a lot of teams like that uh, in there. But it, it is just a bit of fun, these records. Yeah, I think. Exactly. Legia Varsos fans displayed a banner against uh, Lech Poznan in the game at the weekend, showing Russian President Vladimir Putin hung in effigy. Gab, your thoughts? What do you want me to say? It's a view that's shared by many. I yeah. think it's always slightly ugly when you go and you put a picture of somebody with a noose around their neck. Yeah. But it is a thought that I think right now a lot of people in the world and a lot of people in Poland Especially, in particular, yeah. for historical reasons, of course. Uh, not a big fan uh, of Vladimir Putin. Jules, we knew it couldn't last. Hatem Benarfa has had his highs since joining Leo in January. <laughs> But now he's in trouble again, like clockwork. He never lets you down. Oh, Gab. I mean, we said, didn't we, in the last show, the show before, that um, he had an incident after the game where he had almost a fight with Thiago Diallo, his, uh, his teammate. And then when Jocelyn Gouvernet, the manager, tried to intervene, then he had strong words uh, with him as well, where we asked Gouvernet in his press conference before the weekend uh, about the situation. And he, he never named Ben Arfa, but he, he had a sentence when he said, it's not because you're you're working or you you live in a in a world that is a bit 
kind of dodgy that you have to be dodgy yourself. But I don't think he targeted Benafa. Benafa took it for himself and then replied on social media saying, Dodgy, you're, you're the worst of all. You know, you're, you're stupid, you're incompetent. <laughs> you got all a girl's you, name, Jocelyn. Yeah, all, all you do is defending, you know, you play a low block, you right. know, this, we're not playing for the, against relegation here, that kind of stuff. And your president, by the way, the lead president, Olivier Letton, is the same as you. And he went on, on this <laughs> incredible run and just like, oh my God. Right. Now, obviously, his, his, ter- his contract was going to be terminated. And we said, didn't it? When they signed him, we said, what could go wrong here? The gift that gives on giving. Exactly. Roma come from behind to be Salernitana 2-1 and strengthen their hold on to fifth place for now. But Gab, we saw something very unusual. Jose Mourinho apologizing. Yeah, I mean, I, about the game, Roma go a goal down. They, they scored twice after the 80th minute. Carlos yeah. Perez, the forgotten man with yeah, the goal and, and stuff. Chris Smalling. Uh, and Chris Smalling, yeah. Yeah, the vegan wonder. Um, <laughs> I, but then... After the game, Salernitana really angry. Their director of football, Vata Sabatini, formerly at Roma, you know, going on is like, well, I may not have won as much about Mourinho, but his staff are all rude and they, they intimidate the referee, blah, blah, blah. It emerged that one of Mourinho's assistants um, had made fun of Salernitana saying, like, you're going to go down anyway, leave it, blah, blah, blah. Right. Yeah. So Mourinho came out and says, like, that's unacceptable. I want to apologize uh, for, for his behavior. And then he says, you know me, I always tell the truth. I am not like some governments. I am not like some police. I will never lie to you. I will always say the truth. Of course. I, I love this subversive Mourinho. Oh. Fight the power, man. Um, that's another gift. He's been very entertaining this, this season, really. Yeah, and they're playing yes. better football. They're unless playing. they play Bodo Glimt, of course. Yeah, but of we'll course. see how that goes. Right, Jules, that brings us to an end. But shall we come back on Thursday? Do it again. Yeah, Champions, Champions League. League. Can to do it? Can the man in black get it done? Villarreal, can they do it as well? Villarreal, how about Ooh. that? Villarreal Atleti, semi-final. I can feel it. I can feel it. Until then, love the game, love your neighbor, love yourself. Real quick, what's the easiest choice you can make? Window seat over middle? Taco Tuesday over salad? What about selling with Shopify? Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash gabjewels, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash gabjewels now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash gabjewels.